Gone Astray from an Easter Lily. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. An Easter Lily by Amanda Minnie Douglas. Gone Astray. The Crosby boys knew little Miss Wing by sight. She went to the same church and had a seat in the same aisle, nearer down by the door. An odd, quaint body, not larger than a girl of fourteen, with white side curls done upon combs. Once they had been flaxen. Her face was wrinkled, but her step retained all its youthful quickness, though her voice had a little cracked sound. Then she lived in the same street, a nest of a cottage painted brown, but overgrown with vines, one large window full of flowers in winter, and in summer the prettiest garden for the size that you could imagine. It was Miss Wing's delight. Early and late you might find her working in it. Then she had an enormous Angora cat, a dainty little King Charles Spaniel, and canary birds by the dozens. Here she lived with old black Hannah, her one servant-maid, for she had come here with her father when she was quite a young girl. At that time the place had been country indeed. Now the city was stretching out to it. People of means had built pretty villas and cottages along the street, and it had become quite stylish. The Crosbys lived at the end nearer the city. One day Miss Wing had a letter from her cousin, who was a travelling agent for a commercial house, a widower with an only son, thirteen years of age. "'I want to send Frank to you,' he wrote, "'and please do not refuse me. He has been two years at boarding-school and has given out. He always was rather delicate. The doctor says he must spend at least six months in the country running about and hardly looking inside a book.' None of his mother's people can take him, and I am compelled to go south and west immediately. I will pay you well for your trouble, for I know that you will take good care of him. Just let him play around and have a good time. Little Miss Wing read the letter in the utmost consternation. What could she do with a boy? Then she went out to consult Hannah, who was much astonished at her mistress. Still, she hadn't the heart to refuse, especially as this cousin had been like a brother to her. And so in May... Frank Murray came, his sole companion a travelling trunk, a pale, slender boy, neither pretty nor plain exactly, but with great soft dark eyes. She took him to her heart at once. He was a regular boy, a boy who for three years had not known a mother's care or a home. He tormented the cat and cut off his whiskers. He stuck Tiny's silken coat full of dry burrs that he found somewhere. He stumbled over the flower-beds, brought in loads of dirt that vexed Hannah's cleanly soul, and made a commotion in the house generally. Yet he was not a bad boy. He had days of being very good and obedient to Aunt Sarah, but he was restless, and most of all wanted companionship. There were very few boys in the street. Up above, a family that Miss Wing did not admire very much, two sharp shrewd boys who sold papers and did various little odd jobs to earn money, and then spent it in folly. Their father was not a very steady man, and their mother did dressmaking for the neighborhood around. A thriftless kind of household, not at all to Miss Wing's taste. But the Crosbys had won her heart. Three fine, sturdy boys, sixteen, fourteen, and twelve, and then there were two little girls younger. They always went to church on Sunday with their parents, were regular at Sunday school, and everybody spoke in their praise. Then they seemed to have such a happy time playing ball and croquet in their own grounds, or reading under the shady trees. The first Sunday Frank had a headache and did not go out. 
on the second he went to church but he did not want to attend sunday school as he didn't know any of the boys miss wing studied a long while on the subject and at last her courage was brought to the point by a remark of frank's i'd like to know those crosby boys he said earnestly they seem to have such jolly times i watched them playing croquet yesterday it's awful dull here aunt sarah she had a misgiving that it was though she tried to make it as entertaining as possible taking him downtown of errands and trying to instruct him in gardening for which he had very little taste it must be confessed they came up the street one evening and found the three boys on the grassy slope of the lawn looking very bright and happy miss wing made a little halt and cast her eyes wistfully toward them good evening said randolph the eldest with a bow and a pleasant smile they were always very polite Miss Wing's heart was up in her throat. Here was her golden opportunity, and another might not occur in a long while. "'If you will be kind enough—and she paused, turning quite red. "'If we can be of any service,' and the courteous Arthur sprang up. "'I would like to introduce my nephew to you. He is a stranger, and going to spend the summer with me, and is a good deal at a loss for companions. If you would come and see him—' "'Thank you. He must come in and see us.' and the three boys responded to the introduction. "'You always appear to be enjoying yourself so much here. There are so many of you, and you can hardly realize how lonely it is for one,' she exclaimed in a confused, hesitating way. The boys chatted a little. Frank was delighted. Aunt Sarah saw the happy light in his eyes, and was quite satisfied with her experiment. "'I hope they'll come soon,' said Frank, as they resumed their walk. "'They're like the oldest boys at school, and ought to make the first move.' "'I think they will,' Aunt Sarah returned hopefully. The Crosby boys spoke of the incident at the supper-table. "'Yes, I've seen the little fellow,' said Mr. Crosby. "'He cannot be Miss Wing's own nephew, though, if his name is Murray. "'I think it would be better to know a little more concerning him "'before he is admitted to much intimacy,' said Mrs. Crosby. "'I do not like making up with strangers.' "'There's something about his face that I don't quite like,' remarked Arthur, "'who was rather fastidious.' "'But he has such beautiful eyes,' said little Walter, "'and I suppose he must be lonesome. "'Still, it is best not to go too hastily into friendships. "'Boys cannot be too careful,' replied their prudent mother. "'Mrs. Crosby was a trifle exclusive. "'She was also proud of her children, and took the utmost pains with them. "'Never were boys more carefully guarded. "'Never was home made more delightful. "'They had their friends, too, but she always exercised the casting vote in such matters.' Frank had made a slight acquaintance with Dan and Johnny Price, the other two boys in the street, but, knowing that Aunt Sarah disapproved, he said little about it. The next day, however, rambling down to the river, he found them there fishing, and in boys' parlance they had rather a jolly time. Dan was a sharp, droll fellow, and kept Frank laughing heartily at his jokes. He hurried home by the time the Crosby boys usually returned from school. "'Do you believe they will come to-day, Aunt Sarah?' he asked." after he had fidgeted about a while, and she had tried very hard not to be nervous. Not so soon, perhaps, in the most soothing tone. "'Oh, dear, I'd rather be back at school. How dull it is without anybody! I wish I could make it brighter for you, Frank,' and Aunt Sarah's eyes filled with tears. "'Oh, you are good enough!' Then the boy's restless eyes wandered down the street. If there only was someone to play with, to talk to, or even to share a walk— after the crowd of boys at school it was very lonesome indeed, and somehow the Crosby seemed so much nicer than Dan Price. 
and so another afternoon of expectation passed. Frank recalled the bright faces with a feeling of keen disappointment. Toward night he walked down past the house. They had some company and were very gay, and somehow a few tears came into the eyes of the lonely boy. They did not see him, of course. Dan Price happened along just then. "'What a stuck-up set those Crosby boys are,' he said. "'They think because their father's in a bank and they go to the academy they're better than anyone else.' "'Do they?' "'Why, they won't speak to nobody. And that Arthur's a regular Miss Nancy. He always does look so fine.' "'I wonder if they think themselves above me,' ruminated Frank. "'At school such snobbishness would soon have been taken out of a boy.' "'I wish you'd gone downtown with us. I made thirty-four cents and had some oysters and some root beer. I say, won't you go to-morrow?' "'I don't know,' rather hesitatingly. "'Won't your aunt let you?' "'Oh, I do not ask her,' returned Frank, with an assumption of mannishness. Dan went on describing the fun they had. There were such crowds of boys downtown, a jolly set, always ready for a lark. It did look rather tempting to Frank, and he partly promised.' Aunt Sarah wanted him to take a walk in the woods with her, though she was going principally for his pleasure. But then some ladies came in to call. So Frank rambled off, found Dan and Johnny, who had pretty good luck selling out their papers. Then, as it was a warm day, they had a glass of cream soda with wine instead of syrup. A lady stood at the opposite counter buying several articles, but Frank did not notice her. It was Mrs. Crosby. That evening at the dinner-table she said, "'Boys, I very much prefer that you should not make any intimacy with that Frank Murray. I saw him in a drug store with those Price children, taking sherry in his soda, and the prices are low and ill-bred. I do not wish you to have any such associates. I wish those boys were not in the neighborhood, rejoined Mr. Crosby. We can avoid them at all events. The boys have enough acquaintances who are worthy, so it is not worth while to run any risk with those who are not. I own that I am afraid of evil associates. Mr. Crosby sighed. He was superintendent of a mission Sunday school, and he thought of the many boys that were led astray by wicked companions. But he did not think that here was a chance to save one right by his door. Frank merely said he had been downtown, in answer to Aunt Sarah. He had been trying to smoke a cigar, and so could not eat any supper, but went to bed early. He waited a week for the Crosby boys to call upon him, and at last ventured himself. He found them very polite, but he missed the hearty, boyish friendliness to which he had been accustomed. He played a game of croquet, and then a cousin called to see Arthur. Randolph was rather too old for Frank, but he fancied that he should like Walter very much. When he went away, the child asked him to come again. "'I couldn't help it, mother,' he said. He had such sad, longing eyes. "'But I do not wish you to go there.' Miss Wing made another effort. She mentioned Frank to the superintendent of the Sunday school, and he sent one of the teachers to call, but the gentleman came one evening after the boy was in bed. By dint of much persuasion she induced Frank to go the next Sunday, but he was placed in a class with Arthur Crosby, and he concluded that Arthur was proud and stuck up, as Dan had said. Then Dan coaxed him to go to the chapel with him, which was quite a walk down in the city. After a Sunday or two they spent all the time in walking, though he did not tell Aunt Sarah this, nor of many other things that he well knew she would disapprove. If there had only been someone to save him, if this happy mother could only have opened her heart a little, and taken in the motherless child! 
if these bright young boys with all their advantages could have sympathized with his loneliness and given him what he most needed pure and good companionship it would have made so much difference with him for he was worth saving when he first came to his kind aunt who would have done anything for him he had no bad habits but it is so easy to fall into them first frank began to deceive aunt sarah then he contracted a taste for liquor and learned to smoke he fell in with some of dan's associates used every art in his power to get money from his aunt and at last did not hesitate long at crime the three boys found a pocket-book one day containing nearly fifty dollars dan was for dividing it but at first frank said it ought to be taken to the police station at last he was overruled for they all wanted money so they bought cream and soda and candies hired a boat and went up the river and took dinner at a hotel two other boys were invited and they finished in the evening by going to the theatre aunt sarah was dreadfully troubled she conjured up many terrible things and was so thankful at last to see him return in safety but poor frank was very sick that night and the next day aunt sarah shed many bitter tears over him had she not tried to her utmost no one had come forward to help her, and yet everyone talked of the work that was to be done in saving these young souls. Oh, if they could be saved before they went too far astray! Looking over a paper, an advertisement caught Frank's eyes. A poor woman had lost a pocketbook containing forty-six dollars, all she had in the world for herself and her three little children. Five dollars reward was offered. Frank knew it well by the description. This poor woman's money had been idled away in something worse than folly. He was actually a thief. Perhaps the children were starving. Oh, what could he do? Day after day he lay there on the sofa considering. Could he confess it? Would Aunt Sarah ever forgive him? And, oh, what would his father say? I am glad to tell you that he did take this step at last, though it was a hard struggle. He and Aunt Sarah cried together over the terrible story, and she even offered to refund the whole amount, on condition that Frank would give up the prices and all the evil habits that he had contracted. Poor fellow! He found it no easy work, but he did try. "'Aunt Sarah,' he said one day, "'I know I shouldn't have been half so bad if the Crosbys had cared to be friends with me.' She thought so, too. "'Ah! Oh, it is not the bad boys only who need to be saved.' and the people who pass by on the other side rarely do all they might. Our neighbors are near as well as far off. God help us to do our duty by them. The End End of Gone Astray End of An Easter Lily by Amanda Minnie Douglas